Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 25, Sandler edition. My name's Eddie Averill. And I'm Malcolm Sandler. <laughs> and I'm Adam Sandler. <laughs> and tonight kicks off uh, our little mini marathon of the works of Adam Sandler, one of our favorite movie stars really of all time, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, I've, I've thought about this before. Adam Sandler's the only thing I've liked my whole life. <laughs> You know what you say that <laughs> it's about true for me as well. <laughs> I like I um I'm honestly surprised I've made a big turnaround on the Sandman. I was not an apologist. There was a time in my life where I never thought I'd become this man, but I think it's like uh, you grow up, you relax, you yeah. learn things in age. You appreciate the simple things. I'm so proud of my boy. Yeah, and my my you know not to, you know, peddle my struggle here but my name has been dragged through mud for appreciating adam sandler <laughs> both in real life and on the internet and uh, i've been accused of being a racist you know a sexist for enjoying these movies people have blocked me for defending these movies so you know i'm, I'm glad i'm glad everyone's liking him now but you know i was i was kind of putting in work in the trenches back when it wasn't fashionable to you were this. part of the vanguard i was part of the vanguard and it's, it's cool to have some influence in the culture i like to think i i kind of helped make that happen and you know to to the naked eye adam sandler is having a moment but you know he hasn't stopped working it's like he has uncut gems coming out and that's kind of the reason for the season that's why we're doing this we're we're all looking forward to uncut gems to an extent oh yeah also as a fan of adam sandler seeing him just constantly get shafted uh anytime he does a serious role either a complete dismissal of that serious role or saying, oh, he can actually act. He's actually not mm-hmm. bad at acting when you have a good filmmaker. Not not that he's made, you know, countless films with Dennis Dugan already. Yeah, who have championed before. And honestly, I'm, I was thinking of, you know, comedic actors who shifted into the serious realm. And I feel like Sandler's kind of the best to, in his, his serious acting in just terms of, you know, pure chops. Probably, like, you know, my favorite. You know, definitely over someone like jim carrey or like oh steve carell or like i don't know i can't think of others robin i mean robin williams people like robin williams he but sucks robin williams sucks so much dude i'm glad he's well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, if you're not gonna say it i'm gonna say it <laughs> i'm glad he's dead yeah no yeah you took the words right out of my mouth so well i think we're all glad he's dead here at extended clip <laughs> <laughs> but just on the on the pure level of like a uh, project selection, you know, Adam mm-hmm. Sandler clearly has taste. You know, he he does his obviously his true to himself, his goofy ass comedies. But when he's going for these kind of uh, more prestigious projects, he's not missing. You mm-hmm. know, like there are a couple misfires, and one of them we're going to talk about in a few weeks with mm-hmm. Rain Over Me. But in terms of like just choosing to work with Noah Baumbach and James L. Brooks and Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, he's making the good choices. He knows what he's doing and uh, he clearly, like, wants to make good movies. Yeah. Or at least funny movies. Yeah, he, I mean, he likes you see, he likes to make his good movies, but like, you know, he likes, he loves fan service. He knows he has a fan base and he's, you know, he's stayed loyal to them, you know, throughout the years, giving them, you know, giving the people what they want. And he just likes to hang out with the boys. Oh, yeah. And he lo- he brought his boys up with him. And, you know, honestly, you, how, how could he not respect that? Yeah, the, the late period films are really where he's all about his boys. And, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of the ethos of Grown Ups too, which we'll to get to in a bit. But, you know, seeing him work with this constant group of collaborators and, you know, all these films kind of becoming something of a meta text about all of their relationships at this point in their career where they're all just too fucking rich to comprehend uh but their careers are maybe not in like great places uh to the naked eye that is because (laughs) you know you look a little closer they're working on some pretty fucking awesome movies Mm -hmm. so today we're kicking off our sandlerthon uh our a movie is spanglish the james l brooks film from 2004 and our b movie is grown-ups 2 the dennis dugan joint from uh, 2013 now malcolm brought this uh, double feature to us you want to talk about our, your relationship with these films uh yeah well spanglish i chose because i knew we had to do it we love james l brooks we love adam sandler and um it's you know it's it's you know i would just want to be the one to pick it i guess and you know, if you weren't going to do it, I was gonna exactly. Do it. So it's just like let's get it, let's get out of the way early. Let's start with a banger, you know, you know, guaranteed classic. And um, 
So that's why I chose that one. And then Grown Ups 2 is kind of a, a reclaiming of, you know, this movie got, sh- you know, shat on hard oh, yeah. on release and kind of became a joke in itself. I remember it was like a podcast where someone would watch Grown Ups 2 like once a week and review it or something like that. Just, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of people were looking down on this movie. They had their noses up, you know, and you know, if they looked down to watch the movie, you know, they would have found some, you know, good gags. I I maintained throughout the years like this isn't like it's not it's not that bad. In fact, it's it's kind of good. Yeah. So it also better than the first Grown Ups, which I don't I don't particularly like. But um, I, you know, you're going lowbrow Sandler. It's like, well, let me let me go down to the you know bottom of the barrel, so to speak. You know. So. Yeah. Well, let's just get right into it with our A movie with Spanglish. Uh, James L. Brooks. He's only directed what six movies, something like that. Seven, I think. Seven. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> something like that. Uh, he takes his time, you know. Again, with project selection, he has these big projects that he works toward for so long. And I, I've still only seen Spanglish and As Good as It Gets, but I think my co-hosts here can testify to the quality of his other pictures. Oh yeah, I mean, I bet a lot of people listening to this have seen Broadcast News. It's one of the best movies of all time. Oh yeah, in terms of yeah. endearment, like the the big Brooks classics are like all time hits, mm-hmm. but then the ones that are in the weeds that aren't as critically acclaimed are still just as good. Yeah, and I feel like terms of endearment, broadcast news. That's kind of where that ends too. His kind of like critical uh, championing. I'm I, I, I'm not remembering his other movie. I guess as good as it gets. Yeah, got. People like that. Yeah, People I mean, now well. it's not looked upon that highly. If you True. look on Letterboxd, it's like a good, it's a mix kind of. Mm-hmm. But as good as it gets is a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Spanglish. So this is a. It, it's a really interesting movie for a Sandler star vehicle yeah. because he he is above the title, but it's not from his point of view. It's from the character Christina's point of view, and the the story's framed uh, as her her personal essay in her application to Princeton. So she is the lens through which we view this film. And then the protagonist, I would say, is Floor, the, you know, pretty much the protagonist of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. So it it's really all based around this mother-daughter relationship and the story of them coming here and her working two jobs as uh, Christina's growing up and then having to, you know, switch to just one one job because she has a daughter to take care of and finding the one job that she can make enough money just to fucking survive. And that has to be being basically the servant of a family, a very rich white family who I believe a lazy critic would uh, call the enacting the white savior uh, narrative in mm. this movie. But I, I think that Brooks is far too smart for that and it's something that i was kind of infuriated by seeing uh in the responses to this movie is that what people think about this movie that's i, I saw it I a mean, lot like on letterbox crazy and shit. yeah it's stupid yeah. right yeah i just feel like the film in and of itself like it's not necessarily like explicit at all moments about like the level of class consciousness but it's such like a big like current running through the whole thing yeah. i mean not to like uh, skip right to the end but like just the fact that there's like this very beautiful like emotional conclusion on like a metro bus yeah uh is like spectacular and just like how supremely focused we are in like floor's story as opposed to ever like i don't know you get your time with like sandler and everything but like you know the overarching narrative is floor's yeah, and it's like a very, I would say a very class conscious movie because yeah. it's another thing that's like easy to just dismiss as, oh, this is a rich people movie, whatever. It's so like meticulous and what it shows and how many of the like driving plot points are based around money, you know? No. And just the shot very early on when she's interviewing to work at the house and you just see this coffee cup full of $20 bills. Everything it's doing is kind of making a point without being too obvious about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. fake enough to where you can easily see what it means, but it's also real enough to still have an emotional core to it. And to call this like a, a rich person's movie or something, you know, maybe like maybe you could say that about a Nancy Myers movie where, you know, we're, you know, looking at the nice countertops and seeing like a nice, you know, high budget fridge in the kitchen or something like that. But the success that um, comes with the riches in Spanglish is not 
depicted as a good thing. In, in fact, these people are not, you know, well-adjusted at all. They all, they all are pretty messed up in their own degree, you know, probably because, because of their wealth. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the uh, the rich people on Wii Film making 101, where mm-hmm. it's like the big space of the houses used to create, you know, these big spaces between the characters. And Brooks is such like an understated master of blocking and camera movement in this. Mm-hmm. There are scenes where, you know, characters are just running around the room and there's like a two camera setup where both are slowly moving. And, you know, there's occasionally those zooms into close ups on characters' faces. But Brooks really lets the actors do all all the talking he's not really interested in being a show off as a director mm-hmm. but he still makes it very clear that he is like the master pulling the strings as the director yeah and brooks is one of the great um actors directors in my book and i mean you see it on display here i mean of course we're gonna sing the praises of sandler who gives a, a great performance you know one of his more subtle ones i would say and I mean, then you have like performances like uh, Tia Leone, who's off the fucking walls, so just a completely, you know, bonkers performance. And, you know, was Cloris Leachman? Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, yeah. Mother, yeah, yeah. Or the yeah. grandmother that is, grandmother yeah. Gives a wistful performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cloris Leachman is pretty fucking great in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sandler, you don't meet him until 15 minutes into the movie. You know, you yeah. see Flora get hired, and then she's going through her first day, and then you get this really understated Sandler intro where he just opens the door to his son's room and, like, kind of asks him to wake up he says like you just have to start thinking about waking up seriously <laughs> you know have you thought about it seriously yet and it's all these great little like negotiations that he has with his kids and how that parenting method differs so far from how Flora treats her daughter and how just culturally different it is mm-hmm. let alone like the class difference and being able to just kind of buy off your kids in a state of emergency like Sandler's capable to do you know I also feel like in his intro, we get a little bit of like this movie's place in sort of like the classic way Adam Sandler was sold because he's in full dad mode in this. And I'd say like for the most part, he's like a he like really cares and yeah. like is a, mm-hmm. a decent father. Um, but then also I feel like him being like a chef in this role is like a little bit different than like the the standard Sandler fare. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not something Sandler would do for his own, like, late period projects. It's not like Grown Ups where he went to Hollywood and came back (laughs) to his hometown to take care of his boys or Sandy Wexler where he's, like, the best agent ever, even if he's, like, a bumbling Adam Sandler character, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But this one, he really puts a lot into being good at his job, Uh, which is awesome because Sandler is so good at, that physicality i don't know he's so effortless in the scenes where we see him cook uh very early on we see him like prepping some meals at his restaurant where Mm -hmm. he's talking to himself i don't know what to root for thought of one star gets me nauseous but with four there's no place to go but oh my god they took away one of my stars the time's like the first course you know what you want three and a quarter stars yes that would be perfect it would mean you're good, but not good enough to feel disappointed you just missed out on excellence. You still get enough respect, good people want to work with you, business is good, not crazy. You're right there below the radar, where you get to mind your own business. That's a good, solid life. Just the way that Brooks shoots the food and Sandler's body language just feels so natural and mm-hmm. effortless. It's really one of the most comforting things i've come across in cinema especially when you get later on to the sandwich scene the infamous sandwich scene which the movie really prides itself upon for good reason um and it's 30 seconds long yeah and there's something yeah about like the food scenes and there's only like a couple i would say and it's just really refreshing to see like a nice decent food scene that displays the nicest of the food but does isn't like food porn or whatever it just doesn't like you know ooze like ooh, look how delicious this yeah. is you know scratch and sniff type shit you know i, I want to do uh pull this up in comparison with the food scenes in uh a foe of the podcast john favreau's chef <laughs> uh because you know chef takes a much more uh fierian uh, approach to <laughs> shooting food while brooks's style while you may call it televisual is much more uh plain stated and lets the beauty of the food speak for itself yeah and i feel like what those little moments are so perfect of are perfect in representing are like 
that in the very large like construction of like Brooks's uh, narratives, he has built in like times for these little moments that are like meaningful and significant to like sort of how you view the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's the part early on where Tia Leone, the wife of Adam Sandler, gets picked up by Tom's Hayden Church, who's <laughs> rolling through as the swagged out real estate agent. He's only seen in the movie, correct? It's, yeah, his character holds a lot of weight, you yeah. know, because it's implied that that is who she's cheating yeah. with. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's said pretty directly. Yeah. <laughs> but this is part of the Thomas Hayden Church Assance. Uh, I'm staring at my sideways DVD right now. <laughs> um, he. I don't know. His presence is great, but that scene where her hair is flying back in the convertible and he like is able to fit the aerodynamics perfectly <laughs> with the windows and stuff to where her hair floats perfectly. I don't know. It's a little moment like that that feels so fake, but it also gives you such insight to her character and like just the little things that matter to her, you know, because mm-hmm. she's not really asking for much in this film. She's really on edge the whole time but it's just the little things that she wants tidied up together to make her happy uh and i i think you gain a little respect for her in that moment yeah because this could be a miscon her her role in the movie could you know easily be misconstrued as you know shrill and you know kind of a just an unfavorable depiction in general but that's what's really good about this movie it really uh it hears out both sides and really you know develops the humanistic qualities to where you could sympathize with both of them. Yeah, she's not the classic bitch wife. I feel yeah. like every like character in this that's a part of sort of the main uh, set has like such. Uh, you get like a detailed understanding of like how they're acting, and like you feel sympathetic to all of them. Yeah. Oh God, so good, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we we see a few more scenes of Floor working at the house and getting used to the family and uh, there's one scene where uh, after the daughter uh, Bernie or Bernice um, mm. gets some clothes from the mom you know it's revealed that that gift was in fact kind of like a, a weight loss motivation kind of thing mm-hmm. which is really fucked up and yeah. manipulative and like the first time in the movie uh, of many where I just felt just absolutely down after that i was just like it was it's a depressing scene you know yeah and uh of course brooks makes up for it and uh flora ends up you know uh whatever she alters the jacket so it will fit bernie and uh that like is their little transactional bond that is then pit against later on when sandler pays uh her daughter christina to do some you know very basic uh collection for him yeah and it's like that um, the action of the rock collection is just like, it's just a thing to keep these kids busy. But he's like, you know, five for the green rock, 10 for this. I don't know the exact price. Points, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just so foreign to a lot of people. Oh, so that all takes place at the vacation house. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like what the structure of the film is. The second act after Flora's already been like initiated into the family kind of uh, what really gets her in is when they get a vacation house by the beach and Flora moves in with her kid and they, you know, kind of have a couple big confrontations here because this is where uh, the mom, Tia Leone's uh, character, Deb, uh, steals uh, Christina to take her, you know, shopping and then like dyes her hair. And mm-hmm. Flora is just like fucking pissed off as fuck about that of course and this all of this tension is building up to the sandwich scene you know you see christina (laughs) uh you know get some money from sandler and then you know she's uh flora's getting more and more pissed off and then she walks in as sandler's making that famous sandwich where he cooks that egg throws it on it you know cuts it in half and breaks the yolk and it's just a great lingering close-up um and then he's interrupted. I'm goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> he's interrupted before his first bite. And this is the first of two like really long confrontation scenes in the movie. This one with Christina as translator. You could say it's the titular Spanglish scene uh, <laughs> where uh, young Christina acts as translator for her mom, where her and Adam Sandler are having it out. And, you know, they got to get all the cards on the table. And you could say this is where they kind of fall in love for the first time. Uh, this is, you know, put an exclamation point on toward the end of the movie. But this scene is great. And it just kind of like furthers the tension between them, but also bonds them together closer. And it's a great way of Brooks, you know, this is a pretty long movie. It's like a 135 minute movie. But Brooks is constantly like escalating the tension in this while also 
deepening all of the relationships. And it's this weird dynamic that he's able to keep going through the whole movie. And to speak to um, what we said earlier about him being a real actor's director, like the way Christina in that scene where she's acting as translator, Mm -hmm. where she like sort of shifts whose side she's on in the argument Mm -hmm. is just like such a phenomenally constructed bit. And to get like the, that performance out of like such a young girl. spectacular. Christina's spectacular in this movie. And, um, like yeah, that 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 is kind of like the titular Spanglish scene, and it mm-hmm. you know, really you know the main issue on this movie, not the main issue, but it's like communication, and you know Sandler yeah. and his wife can't communicate, and you know Floor you know is has trouble communicating because she doesn't speak English for the mm-hmm. first half of the movie, and it you know it just has such a like I for people to like pit it as a white savior movie, I feel like this movie handles race way better than most movies or most like a movie about a maid yeah you know would and <laughs> i mean it's, it's better than roma <laughs> it's better than yeah better than roma and like such like a smart scene is when um in the car when deb and christina you know are exchanging words you know just christina's thanking her for the clothes and the makeover and you kind of uh she says oh you're like the, the my favorite white woman i've ever met and it yeah. kind of reverses kind of like I don't know, like the history of like cultural condensation that you you know you see from Hollywood and like mm. especially you know how minorities are depicted and it kind of flips it on its head. Yeah, I mean James L. Brooks. I, speaking of his ability as a writer, that scene is the exact midpoint of the movie. Uh, like he's cooking up the sandwich and then they're having the confrontation at the midpoint of the movie. They then return back home. Then you have it out between Sandler and Deb. She reveals to him that she has been. Uh, cheating on him with the Thomas Hayden Church character. And he just, I, this is one of the best Sandler scenes ever for me. Yeah. Uh, because you expect him to go full punch drunk love slash happy Gilmore, even freak out, you know? Yeah. And instead he's just very much in his head and you could tell just completely disassociated by how shocked he is. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, as he says, there's like a crack in his head or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so he just leaves. And this is also where Floor. Uh, that's her breaking point with Deb as well. So mm-hmm. Deb, you know, as terrible as she's been, really, she's made some terrible decisions. At this point, both of these characters have just completely shit on her and left the house together, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you, if you feel for her at any point in the movie, it's there, you know? Mm-hmm. And just that scene speaks to, like, Brooks's poetic dialogue. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's as the movie progresses, I feel like he ramps it up even more. But, like, just... Um, the the thing Sandler says, you know, it's little, but it, they're so incisive and really gets to like the, the heart of the matter. But like you know, in a somewhat poetic and abstract way. Yeah. So then Sandler uh, takes Floor to his restaurant for one of the most sublime scenes really ever. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I I hate to exaggerate so much <laughs> in this movie uh, or about this movie, but man, Sandler cooking her dinner is like one of the most genuinely like warm and romantic things i've ever seen and there's so many like tender moments in it like when he's like about to like pour them like drinks mm-hmm. um but like she says oh that she'd rather do this sober and there's like that little moment of mm-hmm. hesitation there but when he's like putting down the glass it's like there's so many tender beautiful parts oh yeah this. and mm-hmm. the music cue hits right as the glass hits the table <laughs> And so you see him cook the meal, and then they sit like on a table uh, doing a little floor is lava type bit yeah. uh, where they can't touch the ground. And that's when she says that she loves him and then touches the ground and runs away. It's a pretty like remarkable ending because they have that amazing moment, but it's still like in reality because mm-hmm. then her next scene is coming to the house to quit officially. Uh, and she also takes Christina out of the school. And this is, like, the hardest scene to watch, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a bit much the way Christina is just fucking screaming at her Mm -hmm. mom, you know? And it's, like, clearly she's adopted, like, the white way of fucking dealing with your parents. Like, where she's just screaming at her mom and causing a fucking ruckus in public. And uh, Flora just plays it so great. Just, like, doesn't, like, ignore her. Just, like, does not give in to that bullshit. And it's like, Mm -hmm. come on. Like, that's... 
that's not how you act like <laughs> and that ends up being the key like point of the scene that's what she gets out of her she asks are you trying to be something very different than me and that's where kind of the emotional climax of the movie is and they're on the bus together uh but it's just like so many confused emotions and each character has such a bittersweet end result you know mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say like everything in this movie is bittersweet and but like the way the movie handles like the tensions of like assimilation it's just, you know, there's so many scenes I could count them. But like when Christina is seeing her mom clean the house while she's hanging out outside with Sandler and his kids, it's just, you know, it, it just looking back and forth, you know, you, it, and that's felt throughout the whole movie. Yeah. So pretty much like I think there are a couple bad lines, I would say that just like, I don't know whether they've aged well or whatever. It's just yeah. like a couple of misfire lines of dialogue and like a weird Okay, there's one, like, I've talked about this before, funny sex scenes, like, almost never work. Yeah. And, like, there is one, like, sex scene after Adam Sandler gets his big review in the the paper where uh, that's the only time I would say uh, Tay Leone, like, goes a bit overboard. Yeah. Uh, Just, like, it's not that funny, I guess. I don't know. But other than that, it's a pretty much perfect movie. (laughs) Like, I have, like, you know... A total of 30 seconds to cut out of it and make it perfect so uh four and a half bullets for me four and a half bullets for me as well um this definitely boosted i mean i liked it a lot before but just giving it a rewatch just really opened it up for me and like just realized how smart it was because like i i feel like watching it before i like i kind of had it in mind you know oh this is going to be pleasant and you know and it has its pleasantries but um you know elbricks does bring the sadness in this one and it's yeah, it's great. Um, well, first, before I get into my oh, bullet yeah. rating, I want to do a little plug. Um, on the DVD, there was a featurette that was how to make the world's greatest sandwich, where it describes uh, it has a little scene where um, Sandler is learning how to make the sandwich from a professional chef. And then it ends by giving you the recipe. And I'll just read out the ingredients to the perfect late night sandwich right now. It is three to four thick slices of bacon. Doesn't that sound good? (laughs) Uh, Two slices Monterey Jack cheese. Two slices uh, pain de de campon or rustic country loaf. Okay. Toasted. uh, One tablespoon mayonnaise. Oh, you gotta have the mayo. Four slices tomato. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> two leaves butter lettuce uh one teaspoon butter and then one egg fuck damn so get right on that but um yeah i originally gave this four bullets but i'm bumping it up to four and a half bullets damn well that's um, another edition of uh the sixth sense <laughs> yeah and the uh, first edition of clipping in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be right back to talk grown-ups too my mother did not understand her male boss he seemed as upset as she was over what had been done to Bernice. Shit! And yet had done nothing. Welcome back to Extended Clip. Before we get into Grown Ups 2, uh, you guys see anything else this week you want to talk about? Yeah, you know, I, I'd realized I hadn't been, I haven't seen a movie in repertory theater for a long time. Like it's, before the movie I'm about to talk about for this week, I think I saw Scarlet Street the lady vanishes or no whatever it doesn't matter what i last saw it's been a while <laughs> all right and uh you know and this kind of happened accidentally it was you know i kind of just stumbled into this so to speak but what what better way to get back into the scene than seeing a nice 35 millimeter presentation of tropic thunder Ooh, Ooh. yeah you go to the uh, vista at midnight yeah yeah nice. a little vista at midnight type shit and um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It's it's kind of. Oh, had you never seen it before? I'd never seen it before. Oh, yeah, funnily it's a good enough, movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Um, it's kind of interesting as like a cultural artifact. I mean, like you know, just oh eight, like it's shot on thirty five millimeter. Like mm-hmm. that's, of course, you know that you know never happened now. Or just like you know, just these big budget comedies. There's not a lot of them nowadays yeah. that aren't like Kevin Hart or rock movies or something like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I might be wrong. I haven't, I haven't done the research. <laughs> so clearly, you haven't seen Jumanji too. Um, yeah, but hey, hey, I mean, that, that does falls, have some, yeah. falls under the parameters. It's true. Um, there's like a great, like a great detail is like Matthew McConaughey as the agent playing Wii Sports. Oh, yeah. throughout the movie. That's just like extra funny now. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, it's oh yeah. Did you guys see that Paul Schrader Facebook post where he posted like a clip of Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder? He's like twelve years ago. This used to be considered daring, funny, and cool. What happened? (laughs) 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 So that's that's basically how I feel about the whole situation. (laughs) I think we should get Paul Schrader on the pod and talk about you know free speech and comedy. I I would I would love that. I would love that. Paul Schrader, Shane Gillis, (laughs) (laughs) come together. (laughs) (laughs) They both have Shane Gillis and Paul Schrader both have an open invite to extended clip they could come on anytime they want uh what about you jt um well i haven't really watched anything i mean aside from uh we talked briefly off pod based on your recommendation last week i've seen a lot of rock of love season two which has been phenomenal but that's a well-tread territory on this podcast and i don't like to uh come with nothing to bring to the table but what i've been doing is I've been reading a book this week that oh. I just started. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, Red or Dead by David Peace. No relation to Red Dead Redemption, as one would think. Um, but it's a fictionalized account of uh, Bill Shankly, who's the who was the manager of uh, Liverpool um, soccer from 59 uh, to 1974. And I had just started it based on a recommendation from a friend like not really interested in soccer or anything i know uh david peace did the red riding trilogy which was like adapted into like a series of films as well but it's a really compelling like story told with a lot of repetition and specificity where like it's like 700 pages and there are a lot of very in detail like depth accounts of like season by season so you're really in there with like bill's character and it's like sparse about the details that are like sort of going through his head at the time but you just sort of through like experiencing like every grading moment you are really on the side of liverpool and it feels like very much so i I don't know it, it through reading the book it feels like watching uh watching a game Damn, that it's sounds real good. awesome. Yeah. I might check that out. Read a uh, second book for the year. The Beautiful Game. <laughs> I'm also only have read one book this year. So <laughs> I do the love The Beautiful Game. Um all right, just book shout out. I'm like 300 pages into The Savage Detectives. I haven't picked it up in like 3 weeks, but it's pretty good so far. Okay, I've read two Jonathan Rosenbaum books this year. Fuck. Whatever. You sunned me, dude. <laughs> I'm the podcast dumbass now. <laughs> Um, I'm actually the podcast dumbass because I watched Jojo Rabbit this week. I watched it on a camera, the quality that the film deserves. Um, so basically it's just a movie where like you watch a kid, you know, pretend to be a Nazi and Taika Waititi plays Hitler as like a adorkable random like uh did that just happen uh kind of guy uh reddit guy (laughs) yeah yeah basically it's like what if hitler was on reddit it's honestly like the least based most blue-pilled movie ever (laughs) 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 no it's just like it lacks any risks though at all and you know i I have enjoyed some of ytt's work i i I thought uh wilder people was like pretty good and i liked it more at the time um and i thought the vampire one was funny too but like this Mm -hmm. has nothing for it like on a filmmaking level it does a couple andersonian uh west that is uh like framing like centered framing bullshit and like also just like kids being cute or whatever oh god it's so stupid and like you know it's one of those movies where you just listen to the dialogue and you just think oh when people online post about how they like witty banter that's what they're talking about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's just fucking stupid and I didn't see it as like the atrocity that some people did but then when I was trying to rate it objectively I'm like oh it is like a one star movie you can't go above that it's yeah. not like a world ending uh, travesty or anything like that like whatever he just made a stupid Nazi yeah. movie um, but like oh god it's just it's just trash I it sounds like you hate it so it's not exactly an anti-hate <laughs> satire that's true it it <laughs> It didn't work as anti-hate repellent because I got a hold of this thing. Yeah. And I hated it. You're still racist after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it taught me. Yeah. The film brought all of these crazy ideas into my head to hate my own people. <laughs> um <laughs> So let's get into our second film of the week, Grown Ups 2. A uh, 2013 film by Dennis Dugan. You know, I was going to talk about Martin Eden there, but I 
I love Martin Eden, but not as much as I hate Jojo Rabbit. So go see Martin Eden when it's in theaters. Um, Grown Ups 2 by Dennis Dugan, a friend of the podcast. Uh, We've talked about Jack and Jill. We've done an episode on Problem Child. Uh, We've talked about some of his other Sandler joints, I'm sure, as well. But in passing, that is. Yeah. Uh, this is only the second episode Dugan's gotten, though. Mm-hmm. Some they, hey, he's he's in a good class. I mean, it's like Godard. Who else has got a second episode? <laughs> I think it's just Altman, Dugan, and Godard. <laughs> <laughs> big three. That is our big three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we want to build an NBA franchise, we got to do it around Dennis Dugan, Jean Luc Godard, and Robert Altman. Um, so this is a sequel to Grown Ups One, which I remember being quite bad, but I also remember this film being bad so maybe that one's good too yeah i you know what i i think i in the intro i said i didn't like grown-ups one or maybe i said it off mic i don't remember but i i I just hate the chocolate wasted bit from grown-ups i feel like i heard it so much i'm like yeah that movie sucks fuck that 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 was like pounded into the ground i was very worried there was going to be a chocolate wasted callback. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I exploited that for a tweet a while back. I said something <laughs> along the lines of uh, the chocolate wasted girl is like twenty four now uh, <laughs> or something like that. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh god. Um. Anyway, so not to laugh at my own tweets. That was fucking pathetic. <laughs> hey, go go search hey, you go really search that term and retweet it. W- once in a while, I get a good one and I hold on to it. <laughs> I haven't tweeted a good thing in like three years. <laughs> Malcolm's being shy. His Twitter is great, uh, but you have to catch them before they're deleted. That's the whole thing with yeah, Malcolm's true. Twitter. Yeah. Exclusive. I bet yeah, all my deleted tweets. I bet they're so fucking far. Oh my god! Like I only view Malcolm's Twitter through the Wayback Machine. And <laughs> uh, so anyway, Grown Ups Two. Uh, the biggest difference between these two films is the lack of Rob Schneider here, mm-hmm. and of Sandler's crew. I think Schneider might be the least funny. Yeah. So yeah. it's not that big of a deal. Actually, oh well, if you count John Lovitz, oh god. John <laughs> Lovitz is the worst scene in this movie. Like true. Ugh. Reprising his role as the town pervert in Little Nicky. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't I don't know if but like Little Nicky opens with John Lovitz, you know, s- staring at a woman through a window using binoculars. He falls off it, <laughs> dies, goes straight to hell. I think you've described that scene on this podcast before. <laughs> well, I'd love to just watch John Lovitz going straight to hell again and again and again. I, you know, as much as Lovitz sucks, he is properly casted in these movies. Yeah. yeah. Whether those scenes need to exist, I don't know. No, exactly. There's no one else that could pull off being that scuzzy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this film is, it's a hangout movie. You know, yeah. you're hanging out with Sandler for 24 hours. As pointed out by uh, my friend on uh, Twitter and Letterbox Davis, he said, like, Sandler is in, like, five or six different outfits in this movie, <laughs> even though it takes place over 24 hours. And all the outfits are just different T-shirt and basketball shorts combos. Uh, so, you know, good on Sandler for uh, keeping it consistent with the fits. No, Sandler definitely influenced my fashion and that I wear T-shirts and basketball shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm wearing the Sandler uni right now, if it means anything. So this film is him going about his day, hanging out with his friends who were in the first Grown Ups movie, mm-hmm. and it's like also pointed out by the same uh, capsule review, compared it to Linklater, and that kind of keyed me into what this film was doing. It really is a Linklaterian or even Hoxian hangout mm-hmm. film. Yeah, uh, I don't want I don't want to push it too far. You know, I don't want to yeah. I don't want to get people mad, but uh, it has that quality. No, huh? for sure, that's like yeah. part of like what was so charming about it that like surprised me how people were like revolted by like mm-hmm. this like they like the what Malcolm was saying about that podcast where you oh, it was like blank check <laughs> <laughs> oh speaking of them we said this off Mike uh, top review on Letterbox of Spanglish are both hosts of blank check shitting on yeah. it so Griffin sh- Newman known collaborator with uh, <laughs> sexual abuser so maybe you should hit that unfollow and stop listening to that podcast <laughs> just saying <laughs> And fork over your uh, Patreon subscription to us, just via PayPal's yeah. all good. Or just the respect. Yeah. Or just the respect, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the Patreon money's not that good here, but what I come here for is the respect. <laughs> Commandatory. That means family. All right. <laughs> anyway, JT, you were saying about people being revolted by this. Uh, yeah, it's just like, you, like, 
I it's very much so in the type of like internet like guy film criticism where it's like there's no plot this isn't doing anything it's like that's not what you're fucking in this for you're just here to chill with the fucking boys and like have like I don't know it's an like the parts of it that really pop off I feel like embrace that very slow meditative just just chilling yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very uh, very quotidian feel uh, yeah. to it. You know, that first 30 minutes when they're just, like, picking everyone up on the school yeah. bus. Especially Nick Swardson. Uh, he kind of takes the place of Rob Schneider in this sequel. Mm-hmm. And Swardson, you know, I don't like him particularly, but he's quite good in this. Especially just as a corpse that gets abused. You know, <laughs> he is knocked out, I think, for the first 45 minutes or so of this movie. And they're just dragging his body everywhere. And he's, like, the butt of many physical gags. And it's quite good. Uh, so anyway, he's the bus driver, so they kick him out of driving the bus because he's clearly drunk as fuck, and mm-hmm. Sandler and Chris Rock are driving around the neighborhood, and mm-hmm. they pick up Kevin James, and they go to Kmart, and Yeah, <laughs> they spend about 25 minutes at Kmart. This is, yeah, I've never seen- This no- is the peak of the movie. I Yeah, Kmart seems my favorite scene, and I've never seen Nocturama before, but I imagine <laughs> that's what it's like, whatever happens in that movie. They're in a mall at one point. It's yeah, it's also thing. like the end of Lahane. I think there, there's some shit in Lahane towards the end where they're at a mall too right yeah. yeah 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 um you know you speak you know calling it a hoxie and honestly the movie that comes to mind when i watched this again was freddie got fingered just in it's like kind of just like sprawling and like kind of it is kind of grotesque like this yeah. movie is like it has some really like perverted scenes like if you yeah. think about it for <laughs> a little bit but yeah just that first 30 minutes of just them creeping and crawling through that you know every town usa yeah. is a you know cover cover their boy for drunk driving go to kmart you know just chill out there harass the workers <laughs> <laughs> hey malcolm i didn't know you worked at kmart and apparently the hair on top of your head didn't know it either <laughs> what do me a favor go like this i think i got something in my teeth <laughs> what you know uh, next time you should use that chia pet stuff on your whole head <laughs> what <laughs> honestly fuck like, shit up like those it's... scenes where they're just driving around at first kind of reminds me of the uh, the gus van sant via or the sorry the bellatar via gus van sant films of the early 2000s you know uh kind of just had that feel of just going about these everyday tasks uh and you know those films are generally uh, centered around one incident of like grotesque death. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film is just grotesque the entire way through. Mm-hmm. And we got to face the facts. You know, when you're going for that gross out style humor, there's going to be some stuff that is just like not good. Yeah. And I think and the, like targeted at the wrong people. I think frankly. The, the John Lovitz yoga scene comes to mind as a yeah. probably not the yeah i guess the biggest misfire i don't know well i would say the biggest misfire is the uh the love interest of the uh, david spade character who is constantly like oh yeah transphobically bullied just like saying that she has a penis or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you you could obviously like do mental gymnastics and say that the film doesn't condemn her or anything like that and they end up happy together at the end (laughs) david spade and her uh and you could call it progressive or whatever but it's not no it's like it's a really gross (laughs) aspect of the movie honestly yeah you'd be reaching harder than we are right now (laughs) (laughs) reaching harder than armand white on this movie who i know definitely considers it a classic uh go read armand white on any given sandler and you're gonna have a good time uh sometimes ironically sometimes wholeheartedly read the spanglish review it's exactly it's great we meet the rest of the gang as the day goes on and they all have their individual families uh, and it's kind of set up in this uh, this big Shakespearean way. <laughs> I'm just trying to pull as you know as much yeah, bullshit as I can. as much yeah, as possible yeah, in yeah. this one. No, it's it's just a joke vehicle. It's a gag vehicle, you know. And there's there's some really good ones. Like uh, as I said, when they're using Swartzen's corpse just like for humor when they're mm-hmm. driving the bus and he's just flailing around and then he's like hanging from his feet and Kevin James pulls a rope and he like falls down and you know Kevin James is running gag throughout the movie is doing his combined. Uh, sneeze burp fart motion which is Mm -hmm. like it's gross and stupid but you know it's there (laughs) (laughs) um oh i really enjoyed shaq's performance he's like Mm -hmm. he's such a great comic actor especially in this film i feel like they fully realize like the humor of his height being such a big man in Mm -hmm. such uh, contrast to all these tiny boys yeah it's real funny stuff and this isn't just a cameo shacks shacks gets a good good amount of screen time. oh he's definitely some, one of the supporting players yeah and gets a good amount of gags his way too it's yeah. uh oh, nobody, nobody, he's my brother. 
Yeah, this is you know maybe his best performance. Frankly, think I think it, it is. Yeah. There's a gag at the end where he throws a guy over the house, and it's one of the funniest <laughs> things ever. <laughs> it's like very cheap CGI. This yeah. and uh, what's it called? Um, this and Jack and Jill both. Dugan uses CGI for like big gags that in the 90s he would have had the budget to do practically yeah uh, like you know you think about like the car chase and problem Ch- or the multiple car ch- chases in problem child and then you see this and like there's the cg uh david spade in a tire mm-hmm. rolling through the town yeah. where it's like you know there's 15 seconds of funny in there but it's stretched out too long <laughs> because like they gotta get their money's worth for the vfx guys <laughs> and then the cgi deer that begins this film by uh, peeing on adam sandler pretty fucking funny still i don't know yeah that's yeah. good no, yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's not only on Sandler, but the whole entire family. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, he also uh, sees his young son, uh, you know, uh, pulling his putt in the shower. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty fun source of embarrassment. Yeah, imagine you're jerking off in the shower and a moose comes in. <laughs> I oh, mean, I said deer. Is it a moose? No, oh. it's a deer. It oh, is I, a deer. See, I, I had that moose moment as well, <laughs> but then I checked the antlers. <laughs> I was going to say, do moose have antlers? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so there's some very uncomfortable college stuff then as the, the younger generation, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Sandler and Chris Rock's kids are, are like sneaking around this place where, uh, you know, our main characters used to hang out as teens and yeah. they come upon a frat party and that's where we kind of meet the antagonists of the movies, the frat bros. Yeah. And you could say that that's a good thing, or you could say that it's clearly just like a bunch of boomers that literally want to beat up millennials. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that is the driving force of this entire movie. True. When 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 the boys first show up to that uh, that party, it's like almost like a hidden cave of desire or yeah. something like that. The way the way it's like, yeah. And then there's some uh, misguided scenes where they uh, pre- pretend to be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> to act to yeah proportionately uh, be handsy with women who are drunk, and it's not good. Not good. Don't uh, endorse that. Yeah, no, that's I don't. Bad. Know. You know what? Actually, I'm gonna sp- say. That <laughs> I'm actually, I am no, gonna endorse I'm not, it. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just uh, to speak truth to power here. Uh, <laughs> Let's no, just be honest. I, I saw this film. Uh, I believe I want to say opening day. Honestly, Hell yeah. I saw it like opening weekend at least when it came out, and I was a senior in high school, and it really did like cause a knot in my stomach i i had been to like some parties or whatever not too mm-hmm. many but i was going into college the next year and i was like jesus christ this is an ugly scenario <laughs> like mm-hmm. even back then when i didn't like the movie at least i saw that like as you know as a detached viewer as like portrayed pretty grotesquely this time i was more on board with the film so when i got to that scene <laughs> i was like oh come on <laughs> it's just weird because they could have just had a drunk teenager scene like yeah, it feels like so classic. unnecessarily like like why like yeah. if they're like 18 why don't they just fucking drink that beer yeah. not that i'm endorsing underage drinking <laughs> that's bad i think it goes to show part like more of the film's ethos of like it being the uh, the pussy generation uh, yeah. The younger yeah kids they don't even drink they don't even <laughs> and they don't even get their math problems right as we see early on uh, Kev- <laughs> kevin james's wife uh giving a little positive reinforcement to the kid just getting basic addition wrong and I gotta yeah. say, when that kid is just firing off wrong answers, it gets me every time. Yeah, it's that's so funny. fucking yeah. funny. I laughed at that every time. You just say someone do, you just see someone doing math wrong, and it's funny. I don't know. <laughs> really? Okay, Bean. Uh, well, what's uh, seven plus nine? Seventy-nine. Uh, is he a little boy or a computer? Because. <laughs> Uh, relatable for me uh, brushing up on my algebra for the GRE showing how stupid I am by getting everything (laughs) wrong on the practice tests Um, so after Kmart yeah we meet Shaq and the plan is set into motion to have a party late at night and then uh, there's a big confrontation between the gang and the uh, the frat boys down at the uh, the college hidden cave of desires as it were (laughs) and uh, yeah it all leads up to the party where it's like the frat boys uh you know come and they want to fight and it's just a giant brawl for the last Mm -hmm. 10 minutes of the movie where all these old men are just beating the shit out of 19 year old white men (laughs) (laughs) and frankly it's pretty cool uh i like it a lot and like the teens are beating up on the college kids too uh Mm -hmm. because they're spoiled little babies (laughs) (laughs) so they have to be on their parents side i was gonna say like maybe the reason uh he doesn't take drink the beer at the hidden cave of desires is that I think I, it's very possible that that's Sandler's kid too. And Sandler, if you know anything about Sandler movies, 
He's a father in a lot of them, and he, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think he wants his kid underage drinking. Oh no, not I, at all. I don't, he has to be I, yeah. a good dad. That's exactly. like the ethos of these movies, especially the ones that he's writing or producing. It's mm-hmm. like, and he did write, he did co-write this movie. Uh, he's got to be portrayed as the cool dad on vacation, you know, yeah. <laughs> like always in vacation mode. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, vacation mode is kind of how I define all Sandler post two thousand and six or so. Yeah, uh, starting with how natural he appears in vacation attire in like Spanglish and punch drunk love. (laughs) And then the rest of his movies, like from, you know, a few years after that on, he's so often on vacation in these movies. (laughs) And it's just honestly, like you could look down on him for that, but he's living his truth. He's living his best life out there. Yeah. And also I just remembered there's kind of a, I mean, it's not weird. It's pretty maybe baseline, but like the meta textual aspect of this movie, it's a lot Mm -hmm. of, a lot of uh, people playing off of their real life personas and kind of like just of like personas that have been in the uh, Sandler verse for a while. I mean, you, he really trots everyone, everyone who's in the Sandler verse is in this movie, mm-hmm. for exception of like Schneider and like, I guess, Norm MacDonald or something like that. But uh, Norm MacDonald would have been good. But he has Buscemi, a, yeah, Buscemi. Yeah, yeah. Buscemi's he has, great. He has a cut scene from uh, Grown Ups, the original Grown Ups, oh, I believe. Really? Yeah. He has a show-stealing scene in uh, Jack and Jill. Uh, one, <laughs> yeah. of best, uh, one of the best jokes in that movie. Uh, look it up, folks. He's in one scene, and it's like, you're just thinking, what's like, I get. I guess I get what's funny about this scene. <laughs> yeah. And then you get that last shot, that <laughs> that classic Dugan camera move up to the ceiling mm-hmm. of the bathroom. And uh, you just see him holding on to the ceiling for yeah. dear life. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it's yeah. great. Also, can I, I want to talk about the scene before it exits my mind. The ballet scene, the oh, ballet recital yeah. scene, which is is insane like it's like there's a it's so long it's it's yeah it's so long and it's like um and then dugan eventually does kind of like you know dugan sandler you know they love levity and dugan kind of does like i notice and like speeds it along towards the end just plays some music makes it uh, the scene a little bit more lighthearted than it originally starts out in but like the just the image of like well the the concept is that um they're at their kids ballet recital and they have a hot ballet instructor wearing a nice low cut top, and uh, you know even the even the fellows without kids are there watching. And, you know, w- wonder why. So you get like this weird perverse scene. There's like this shot of like, I think it's yeah, Kevin James and Adam Sandler, both of their wives, and their wives are coming in like, look how you know cute she is. You know, talking about their daughter, and they're like, yeah, she's looking real yeah. good. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Talking about the two, and that like, entire scene is a yeah. misfire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it's it's like so grotesque for me that I like I take some sort of perverse enjoyment yeah. for it just of like how that's that that's where it's like I it, it reminds me of like Freddie got fingered in a way yeah, but uh, kinda, yeah but yeah that definitely when the plot kicks in that it's I mean it doesn't it doesn't have the it's you know it's still going to be lighthearted. This is a PG thirteen movie. You yeah. know this is this is for the family. This isn't a very long review of Grown Ups too because there's not much else to say. We could we could be mean to it. We could say that the yeah. humor is too mean and like you know is kind of takes the wrong targets. And frankly, it's quite a conservative movie. It's elitist as hell. It's like very it's, elitist. Yeah. Very just like reactionary uh-huh. and like wanting things to be like the good old days for mm-hmm. sure. But. There's enough interest here. Oh, like it's not just the gags that are good. It's mm. also like, as we said, the metatextual aspect of like this culminating work for Sandler and Dugan of yeah. like 20 years of doing these dumbass comedies that are like pretty good for the most part, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and some of them very good, of course, but just kind of relaxing and having this like mm-hmm. hangout film that's kind of a fuck you to like c- like what comedy is at the time you mm-hmm. know this is like even apatow is winding down at this point in history and mm-hmm. comedy in film is kind of beginning to be just where it is now yeah uh, which is a very shitty place mm-hmm. and adam sandler kind of remains the king yeah <laughs> has his last hurrah well, not before his, his Netflix days. Yeah, before yeah, yeah. his Netflix Is this his, I think this is his last big one before Netflix, maybe. I was going to, Blended. Maybe. Oh, yeah, Blended. Blended, yeah. which I remember enjoying, but I think is racist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, at least this movie's not racist. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it has a nice, div- you know, it has a nice conservative, diverse, you know, yeah. u- utopia. It's Armand White diversity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess just some other things. Taylor Lautner's funny in this mm-hmm. as the lead frat guy, I would say. Colin Quinn kind of is like the working class retort, even though he's kind of like the butt of a lot of jokes. But yeah. 
I don't know. He's a funny guy. I like to see him <laughs> in movies. Uh, um, also, before he throws someone over the house at the party scene, like Shaq bouncing off the diving board and breaking it, and then clearing out the pool with what looks like he's like shitting blue paint out of his ass or something yeah. like that. That's a pretty good gag, too. Yeah. Uh, the party that they have is insane. It's like the whole time he's saying, oh, it's not a party, it's not a party, and then yeah. it's just like a concert, basically, with yeah. his weird house band playing. <laughs> how, how do you feel about the Tim Meadows character? I think he's quite yeah. fun. Yeah, he's I thought pretty Tim funny. Yeah. He killed it. He killed this. it. Dude, the what? The what? What? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's <laughs> yeah, his signature line is just saying what, and it's great. And then his family all takes after him doing it. And they all are bald, <laughs> have the same balding pattern as him, including his wife, which is yeah. like <laughs> the most insane. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, it just fucking makes sense, but that's funny. All right, just going through the gags. Car wash gag. How do you, how oh, you that's great. Oh, the yeah, car yeah, wash yeah, gag yeah. is so yeah. fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, they think they're, uh, Kevin James thinks he's going to get a nice classic uh, young young set of female cheerleaders wash in his car. Instead, mm-hmm. he gets uh, an Andy Samberg-led uh, group of hunks uh, all up on his junk. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty funny, I got to say, even though it's like, yeah, you could say it's just like dumb, like not even gay. It's not even played for gay panic. It's more played for Kevin James. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. being mad that he doesn't have tits in his face. <laughs> it's yeah. just like the. It's he has a lot of good reactions to just like yeah. cocks being sw- thrust upon him. It's, <laughs> it's funny. A, it's a I subversion of it. expectations. <laughs> <laughs> and then the counterpoint you get with uh, Buscemi uh, on the um, like student driving thing, where they they have the sexy car wash. Mm-hmm. Oh huh. yeah. He's what cracking the beer he got earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything just wraps up perfectly. So the only drama, so to speak, other than like the frat boys trying to claim territory was that, uh, you know, Sandler's smoking a hot wife, of course, yeah. uh, because, you know, it's not an Adam Sandler movie without him being married to like the hottest girl. Everyone gets the hot wives. Yeah. Uh, Salma Hayek in this movie uh, doing what she can. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of a thankless role. True. Um, she has a couple gags that are just like underwritten, you know. Yeah. Uh, I you know she could have been funny in this movie yeah. they just didn't write her any good jokes that's it was a shortcoming the scene where she's like leaving her department store or whatever mm-hmm. with the um, the Adam Sandler obsessed uh, cashier mm. I thought that whole thing was kind of funny yeah, or whatever pretty funny. Yeah. yeah that's probably her, her money scene yeah but anyway um, she is talking to him about having another kid and he doesn't want to and then she reveals that she's already pregnant and you know I guess he forgives her for being pregnant <laughs> <laughs> i guess he's he's he is, he's having apprehension about having a fourth child and yeah at the end he's like you know what it's gonna be great yeah which is such a shoehorned in thing it's yeah. like you add three lines of dialogue to a movie <laughs> and boom you got a theme he's just like how like i think dugan or whoever wrote it sandman they're just like how do we fucking end this shit yeah exactly. <laughs> and you end on a very nice uh, zoom out of the bedroom uh into just like seeing the whole mansion in a wide shot really Flex. Just, yeah <laughs> just <sailor> estate <laughs> yeah just yeah. letting us know how much richer he is than all of us uh which honestly if anyone gets away with that it's the sandman if we're going to live in a capitalist society i want the four i want it to be a meritocracy you know <laughs> and i want I want Sandler to have the nice big house. And <laughs> also it's kind of funny that what like Kevin James and Chris Rock are like putting on like working class face like they're both yeah. like cablemen and like plumbers or something <laughs> like that. It like, is a weird environment where they all exist. They shop know, at like, Kmart, you yeah, know they, what all, I mean? they all shop at Kmart together. Live, yeah. Their kids are on the same bus route. Yeah, yeah, Chris Rock is a cable installer and Kevin James what does he do again? I don't know. He, he has some a uniform, uniform job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's all for the illusion. So what? He's fugly. All the guys in our family are fugly. That don't stop us from getting the hot chicks. Look at me and look at your mother. I mean, it makes no sense. Only in a, like a Hollywood movie or something. <laughs> I had fun, but uh, yeah, it. I think there's like a funny. I where like Sandler's like, yeah, you know, I might be rich, but I grew up here, and like, you know, this place is just as much mine as it is yours. Yeah. You know? So, to, hey, maybe maybe we shouldn't be so hard on these rich people. <laughs> I don't know. I, hey, I don't know. I mean. I'm, you know, Spanglish, grownups too. I'm convinced. Yeah, we're gonna get our, uh, we're gonna get our uh, socialist uh, organizer DSA cards taken away from us. But uh, I gotta say, I no longer want to eat the rich. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll eat with the rich. I'll eat with the rich. <laughs> hit me up, James L. Brooks. Hit me up, James L. Brooks. Let's break bread. Yeah. On that note, I think we'll wrap it up here on grownups too. Um, 
I think there's more good than bad, and I like it on like a more interesting than good level. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the bad is very bad, so I can only go as far to give this three bullets. Yeah, I'm only going to give it three bullets, too. I, my opinion is that it starts out hot, and then once it gets into its like plot schematics, I become less interested. Mm-hmm. Also, like the 80s nostalgia is just like, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. we didn't mention the party is 80s themed. Yeah. I think that's like what whatever. really really turned me on. You know, we're, we're anti-nostalgia here at the, <laughs> the Extended Clip Podcast. I'll speak for both of you. But, um... Ready Player One on VOD now. <laughs> I... It makes me so mad that people think that movie's good. Fuck that movie. It's so bad. Um, I like one scene from it. The yeah. that first race. I yeah, like. when he when he like does the car thing and he switches yeah. around. There's like a couple of really like hard ass zooms on that. that yeah. Like, I'm like, damn, Spielberg. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Spielberg's a talented guy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But uh, yeah, three bullets. Uh, yeah, three bullets straight out the chamber for me here. Um, Damn, so, another six cents. Yeah, mm-hmm. twice in this. It's Sandler really brings the boys together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just there are a lot of, like, there are parts of it that are genuinely funny, and, like, I like the meditative uh, flow of it, um, but it's too fucking long, and just, like, the it, it's at the worst points. Like, the it starts strong, and I think it has, like, a decent ending, but just, like, there's so much you could chop out of there. Nice. Well... I think that wraps it up. We don't have any emails. By the time you're hearing this, the boys are not even in town together, and you're at your family's house for Thanksgiving. Yeah, you want to get away from your your family that you hate. <laughs> then Go rewind to, this episode yeah. and listen again. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're putting it on the Bluetooth speaker <laughs> um, and playing it for your family to yeah. own your MAGA uncle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, won't or, shut yeah. up. <laughs> own yeah own your MAGA uncle by liking Adam Sandler movies. (laughs) Also, yeah, you can be at the table and be like, no, Adam Sandler movies are good and like these are the reasons and you know, I I can't say I haven't been there before, you know. Actually, I was going to say take this as a bit of a retroactive advice, you know, uh, for your next holiday greetings when when you're fucked up MAGA uncle that you have to tweet about uh, (laughs) it's just going on about how all your best friends aren't even human. Uh, Reach across the aisle and uh, give him an Adam Sandler DVD, and you guys might find some common ground. Exactly. I mean, you, never mind. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you uh, next week for more Sandler. Uh, oh, also, we're on Twitter at Extended Clip 69. I'm at iPod underscore video. I'm at Bitch Face Palace. I'm at Tall Boy Thin Legs. And we're all on Letterboxd. Bye. What's up, player? I'm here for your daughter. What?